0: Hey guys, and welcome to our uh, January 2nd, 2016 New Year's 20XX podcast. (laughs) We'll be ringing in our favorite game that starts with 20 with our favorite year that starts with 20. I'm your host tonight, yourself, and with me I have Adrian. How uh, are you doing in the new year, Adrian?
1: Well, I have chores to do today and then I have to work until 2 a.m., so that's
0: Pretty weak. Oh my god. Way grimmer this time than it was last time. Last time you tried to make it like a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Golem, how about
2: you? How are you doing? I've been doing pretty well. I, uh, been doing pretty... Oh, I got to my favorite breakfast place this morning. There you go. Ah, yes, It's a nice little first watch. And, uh, we have a new guest with us.
0: Spike. How are you doing today, Spike? Really, really great. Oh, wow, that's excellent. We've really ran the gamut there. So, <laughs> on that positive note, Spike, have you been playing any uh, video games lately other than 20XX?
3: Yeah, a new game called Paladins. There's a third-person Dota-like game. It's in early uh, beta.
0: So, it's like a MOBA-type game, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. That's from Hi Res Studios, who made the latest Tribes game as well. Yes. Are you enjoying that?
3: I'm really enjoying it. It's like it's really simple to learn the basics.
0: Nice. Just, Sounds cool. Just
3: capture points, attack the barricades, and uh, you turn until the fault of the, your enemy, of your fault, is destroyed and the game's over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you play a lot of that type of game?
3: Yeah, like Smite and League of Legends. Just that. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's actually a different, uh, I think, set of experience from most of us here who are uh, less well versed in multiplayer games or online multiplayer, that is to say. Golem, what have you had going on outside 20XX?
2: Well, I already talked about Darius Burst, but uh, I've picked up Steel Empire. While it was on sale. Oh my
0: god, all you ever do is tell me not to play Steel Empire.
2: I know, but it was on sale, and I wanted to support shooters on 3DS, and like, there's only so many times you can loop Chain Blaster. So, you know, I've been going through, I've been getting all the achievements, and uh no, it's not my favorite game ever, but it's good as a handheld game, just because it's so, uh, you know, plain and milk toast. It's easy to sit down, play one stage for, like, five minutes in, like, a bumpy car ride. And, you know, no problems. It's a it's a time waster.
0: Isn't Steel Empire one of those shooters that has quote-unquote RPG elements and that is more just a steady progression through?
2: In a couple ways. You know, the first thing that comes to mind was something that this evening was, uh, you get dollar signs throughout the game, but those are just points. <laughs> and they give you extends eventually. But the more RPG-ish thing is your health. You get multiple hits per craft. And uh, even then, like if you die in the middle of a stage, it starts you right then and there. So your health bar is basically extra lives. There's no difference between losing a life and losing health. Especially because you never decrease in power. So you'll collect power-ups and level up your shot. and you never lose a level by dying, so I guess that's RPG-like in that uh, most wow. shooters have you lose all your stuff when you die.
0: I don't know if that's RPG-like, but it's handholdy.
2: Yeah, what I mean is that it would be easy for someone to confuse it with being RPG-like. And, uh, well, I've been getting used to the control scheme where one button shoots to the left and one button shoots to the right. That, uh, you know... Yeah. It's a little unique there. The old Sector Z. Yeah. Alright. Well, while you're on
0: uh, Shmups on 3DS, you should play SCAT for NES. That's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I haven't cracked that one open yet, but uh, maybe I should have gotten that instead of Steel Empire.
0: Well, it's also pretty quick.
2: Okay. Adrian,
1: what about you? What do you got going on? Just two other games that I'd like to bring up. There are Sins of the Solar Empire and... Steam World Dig.
0: Ah, well, I'd love to hear more about Steamworld Dig, a controversial game if I've ever known one.
1: Why is that?
0: Uh I don't know. People liked it and then Golem said it was really bad. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think there's interesting gameplay
1: there? Yeah, it definitely has interesting gameplay. Right now, the only thing that is kind of worrying me is that I'm getting to the part of the game where The mining is actually a lot more interesting because they put, you know, more enemies that you can't really take on with just your little pickaxe. So you have to work more to kind of maneuver around them and kind of approach them more tactically, I would say, for lack of a better word. And so, yeah, so that's the way the games become more interesting for me. What I'm worried is that the game's going to end shortly after that, and I don't want that to happen.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you're describing that there's a survival counterpoint to the mining, which yep. is what makes the beginning of Minecraft really fun, but then as soon as you pass that hurdle and have like a house built and some decent armor, it
1: really levels out in the gameplay front. So far it doesn't seem quite that open-ended. It looks like there is a, a set goal that once you get there, you know, that's pretty much the end of the game because the game's been talking about some treasure, some place way, way underground. Like there's only so much, like they make it sound like there is a section that your old Uncle Joe or whatever got to, and you're supposed, basically supposed to go all the way down there and find it for yourself and then, you know, bring the town back to prosperity, yay, because it's a mining town. Yeah, so I think that's where it's different from Minecraft. But it also does have those survival elements you're talking about, especially with um, stuff like the fire, not fire, Your light which drains as you go deeper and deeper into the mine, so you can't really just stay in the mines as long as you want, so you're always trying to get in as much as you can while you still have light and then get back out or try to get more light as you're down there because you can't get light from killing other enemies or just finding it or placing your own lantern so you can light it up and you need that also to make your way back because if you don't have light then that you're more prone to getting yourself killed on the way back out and then you know, that ruins your run.
0: Hmm. All right. That sounds more interesting than someone else made it sound. <laughs> <laughs> I you have anything specific to say about Sins of a Solar Empire, or are we just hoping that becomes the next Commune
1: game? Um, one, hoping that becomes the next Commune game, but two, I got a head start of it because I was, pretty much anticipating that it was going to be a game that I need to spend a lot of time in just to get to grasp just how to play it at a halfway decent level because it is a pretty heavy game. It's not like SIG where I got the gist of it on like my first playthrough of it on the demo on the PS3. It's not like that.
0: I agree, but I think you'll get to a point where you have a pretty good sense of what's going on. Right.
1: I just haven't gotten there yet. I'm still just going through the tutorials of, you know, all the things in the interface, all the hotkeys and all the things
0: like that. All right. Well, we'll wait and see what comes up next. Myself, I've been playing a lot of stuff because I've been on vacation for two weeks. But I guess yesterday I was playing a lot of Super Mario Galaxy 2 and thinking whether it was a blasphemous complaint to say that the game just has way too much shit in it.
2: No, it definitely does.
0: It just feels like a checklist at times. Like, I'm not even playing levels because I enjoy them, albeit they are pleasant. I mean, just going through and getting comet medals and doing comets is, feels fairly forced. And this is only the first half of the game. I'm not even to the green stars yet.
3: Oh, well, you don't need yeah. to do commits because, you know, uh, without commits, you, you, you can complete the game like that you can just ignore them
0: yeah i've beaten it already i but i have 90 stars now i'm going for 240 so there's
3: more than 240
0: yeah probably (laughs) i'll go for 241 i don't think i'm gonna go for 242 but we'll see (laughs) when i get there i've actually played a lot of it before and i lost the save file that had like 180 stars on it oh rough Yeah, it's kind of annoying, and that's probably adding to the somewhat tedious feel of it now, but it's just probably. It's a very frantic game, very like, you only get each idea for like 30 seconds before you're moving on to something new.
2: And then to have 10 hours of that?
0: Yeah. I can understand why it was better liked than Galaxy, because it is of a more uniform quality, and they have certainly smoothed out stuff like I thought Comets got really boring in the first game, but they vary those a ton. They cut way down on the stupid mini-games, like the Gearhead stuff.
2: Yoshi's really cool.
0: Yeah, uh, Yoshi's cool. There are lots of great level themes, and nothing lasts for more than three stars. So if you really hate it, you're still going to be through it really quickly. So it's like a more agreeable game, but I'm not sure it's a better game. We'll see when I replay Galaxy. Right. Okay. It sounds like we've all got some good stuff going on. So, I think it's time to get on to 20XX. Today, we're going to be talking about items and upgrades, power ups, uh, all the little things that you pick up along your way through the game. The first topic I want to talk to in regards to this is economy. Economy is a traditional element of role playing and strategy games, and it's become increasingly common in pretty much everything from action games to racing games to anything at all probably since the 90s when collection became a really big thing and what i mean by economy is just the general overall gameplay that revolves around collecting things and then spending those things i think the first thing to talk about with regards to that is the currency itself 20xx certainly has an economy and it has multiple currencies adrian Which currency do you think is most important?
1: It has to go with the nuts. I don't know know if soul nuts would also count. I think they would. But um, I think most of the items, even if you haven't bond them with your soul nuts after a run, they would have just appeared in your run anyways. Just to clarify, what do you use nuts for? Just to buy the power-ups that the little robot dude sells in the shops. That and the the lottery machines, you also spend nuts on those. And the health stations. And the health stations, yeah. So those three different th- things you spend nuts. Oh, and energy stations, but I never use those. So that's four different things you actually spend nuts for. Yeah, who does use energy
0: stations? Okay, how do you collect nuts? Where do they show up in stages?
3: Oh, by defeating enemies and in And uh, blowing crates. up crates.
0: Yes. Yep, you got it. Okay, Spike, uh, what's another one of the currencies that plays
3: an important role in the game? Just the latest update, there are tokens, you can get it randomly from enemies, or an item called China token counts as three tokens. And those are used in uh, slot machines, it gives a more uh, better chance for an item or random uh, economy, like uh, health or energy. Right.
0: You can get just about anything from a slot machine, I think, right?
3: Yes. Besides the slot machines, they're also, like in the Binding of Isaac, you can uh, give health to get uh, coins. In this game, you can give health to get nuts.
0: Right. So in that sense, that's interesting because health becomes a currency. Uh, It's something that you can spend. Yeah. Would
2: you consider energy an economy if you, you know, quote unquote, spend it to shoot special weapons? Or is that outside the scope of this conversation? Would I consider energy an economy?
0: Yeah. I would consider it to fall under the purview of economy. It's not a currency in and of itself, I don't think, because, well, you could make an argument that ammunition is currency, but I don't really think that it is because it's not a direct exchange. When you spend energy, you're not getting something that you can then spend. Sure. You know? Okay. So I think that's the best tendentious argument. But especially when you get into RPGs and talk about magic points, then that becomes a really important part of economy. It looks like we have uh, Wathwad online. I forgot the time zone sort of thing.
2: Oh, <laughs> no, that's my fault. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Even you <laughs> are in a time zone? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gee, I totally forgot. That's oh man, I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a mistake. You should
0: have heard all the negative stuff Golem was saying.
3: <laughs> uh, wait, what? Oh, wait, what? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, what? This is Spike. He's our uh, new guest this week. Hi. Oh, hello. So far, we've been talking about economy, and we talked about nuts a little bit, and tokens, and how. Health is a currency. Golem,
2: is there another one we haven't got to yet? Did we discuss soul nuts? We did not. There are certain black and blue enemies in the world, and they're particularly strong. And once you kill them, there's a really giant explosion, and then they drop floating soul nuts. You pick them up, it seems like they're random in value, like they're between 1 and 5. And once you end a run by dying or finishing it, you can go into a shop. It's on the start game screen before you enter a run. And you can buy items which will then spawn in a run. So if you buy the heart container, you will sometimes see a heart container in a chest during the run. And um, soul nuts do not carry a cross between runs. So in order to buy the more expensive things, you'll need to play long enough to earn enough nuts within one run to buy you know, the 999 nut. Magnet.
0: <laughs> Moving on from that, one of the important aspects of currency that I was just uh, mentioning when Golan brought up energy is the conversion of currency. For it to be viable in the economy, you need to be able to get one currency from another one. Otherwise, you just have a situation where something is ammunition. You're spending it for a specific gameplay function, but that doesn't have any free market value. Maybe starting with a specific example, uh, how do you convert one currency to another in 20XX? Waithwat, any ideas about that?
4: Obvious one is those uh, little health store vending machine things. You throw some nuts in, health or armor can pop out.
0: Yeah, that's a, a pretty standard one, and those are very common. We actually get three variations on that. There's the health station, the energy station, and the inverse health station or whatever.
3: Converser, I believe.
0: Right, give... Okay. Health converser. Give us health for... Nuts, yeah.
3: Sometimes tokens, I believe. Oh, really? If I bought one token from... uh, In a run, when I spent... I I don't know.
0: (laughs) It seems possible because the health stations will sometimes generate armor. So... I think it's not really fixed. Yeah, nuts. So that's how we convert nuts to health. What else can... uh... You can convert health tokens. Right. And what else can nuts be used for?
3: I believe that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, except one thing. Score. You can keep all your nuts at the end of the run, and you get a score accumulated with the amount of nuts you have.
0: Right. That makes sense. Okay, I didn't realize that. There's that one
4: item. I think it's called sound investments or something, where... I think you could find it in a store, so you'd spend for it, and then at the end of every level, you get, like, an X percent boost in your nuts. Yeah, you're right.
3: Twenty percent.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's twenty percent. And it's
0: at the completion of each stage, you get, like, interest on your nut
2: bank. Now that you mention it, there's also a familiar that you get that'll eat nuts and then poop two items for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Man, I haven't seen that guy in a really long time. He's super helpful. I love him. The Gobbler, yeah.
3: (laughs) The (laughs) Nutskull (laughs) there. Sorry.
0: (laughs) So, there's a slightly more indirect way, and maybe we'll get into this more with power-ups, but there are certain power-ups that affect your currency gathering, so...
1: Oh, you mean the Nut Whisperer?
0: Yeah, so there are a couple of them, so what else is there besides that? There's it makes health drop more.
1: I'm often. sure there's.
0: Yeah, there's health finder.
1: Yeah. Yeah, health finder, energy finder. Health finder
3: eight thousand and energy Scope alpha.
1: Oh, there's one where it's like XX health becomes energy. That's another one. Uh, Spill over matrix. Yeah. Yeah, that one. That's the name.
0: Yeah, I'm not it
4: sure It doesn't that work the other counts. way around though. That makes speaking of nuts sometimes heal you.
0: Yeah, health, nice. health nuts. Yeah, health nuts, yeah, nut. I would say, counts, yeah. because that's, you know, you're doubling up on your nuts.
3: I find that a super useful power-up, especially like in Phenomen, that's extra difficulty that you uh, can't get any health drops for anything. Mm-hmm. It makes the health nuts very useful, if you get what I mean.
0: Yeah. What currencies or, uh, like, in what situations do you find yourself making a decision gameplay based on collecting money? You know, when do you go out of your way or when do you decide it's not worth going out of your way? In uh, dailies and weeklies, those
3: black and blue enemies, instead of saw nuts, you get five gold uh, nuts. Yeah, so, yeah, I want to uh, tell that, that, that part about that.
0: So it's more worthwhile to kill those enemies, or more immediately beneficial to kill those enemies, because you get regular nuts.
2: Yeah, I'm at a point where I don't need soul nuts. I have everything from the store.
0: Yes, Same and you. Here. I assume we're all there, yeah. So soul nuts have more or less
1: become irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. the only reason to kill the blue and black guys is because they're in the way.
0: Back when soul nuts actually did have value, what was your policy about them? Oh, I would always go after them. Yeah.
4: would usually grab them even if I had to take a hit to get them.
2: Yeah, health will get me through one run, but a soul nut will help me on all subsequent runs when I buy some item. So they were the most important thing.
0: Soul nuts in that sense function as a like unifying economy. They are the one thing that affects one run from the present run. So it seems to make them the highest priority currency, but then we've just said that we're all at a point where we don't even pay attention to them. Do you feel like there's a shift in the way you played the game when you got to that point, or do you feel like the game is missing something now? Basically, would you like Mm. there to still be stuff to spend soul nuts on?
1: Well, one, there are obviously still supposed to be more items coming out, because when you look at the bottom of the spaceship, not all the roads completely fill, but even knowing that, you know, there has to be a limit, so I don't mind if I'm not, you know, spending soul nuts on things forever.
0: Do you think the black and blue enemies are still purposeful without the soul nuts?
1: You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe there should be some benefit to the soul nuts who already bought everything in the game.
2: The black and blue enemies should just always drop the five gold nuts after you bought everything in the store.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, would, that I think that would make more sense to me.
0: Yeah, so I think that Black and blue enemies are something that very straightforwardly invite you to take on a challenge for the sake of uh, increasing your bank account. And I think that the game does lose a little bit of something when that goes away. But I also think that there are more indirect ways that they do effectively the same thing, such that as long as you're trying to beat the game or improve your score, there's still a point to... Challenging
4: yourself basically. Yeah. An interesting way of working it would could be since they've taken out the soul nut count in game anyway, was having them the soul nuts add to your nut count, but also your soul nut count at the same time, like you get five soul nuts, you get five nuts in that run.
2: Be an interesting way of handling it, I feel like. Yeah, no reason not to.
1: Yeah. 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 I, by the way your volume's really low. <laughs> oh is it? Sorry. We
4: may have just been talking kinda quiet.
0: Do you guys have any additional thoughts about the game's currency system, or is there anything that is glaringly wrong with it, or particularly unique about it?
2: The fact that it converts into score is something that's present in other games, but it's unique among games that I've actually played. I've never actually played a game that does that, so... uh... At the end of my first winning run, I just went crazy and had so many nuts, and I bought everything I could, and then, you know, as a result, my score suffered. And so, late in the game, if you're going for score, you got to make that decision, like, uh, I could buy this super helpful item, but if I go without, then I'll increase my score.
3: Well, it's definitely really handy if you find the sound investments, or Nut Whisper, of course, it's really handy to invest in that. And you get uh, more for, from return if you buy them.
4: In a daily run, of course, you want to keep your score up, but in a regular run, it doesn't feel as important, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, those still count towards uh, leaderboards.
1: They do. But uh, so far, most of us are still just at the point of getting through the game. Personally, myself, I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I can challenge myself for and maybe go for a Speedmaster or not. Ma- Speedmaster? speedrunner or nutmaster run and see how high I can get that to place on the leaderboards. I think we've touched on
0: kind of a couple different levels it works on in that there's a challenge of spending nuts wisely or spending everything wisely to get to the end of the game in which health is almost your utmost currency because that's naturally what you need to preserve but then when it comes to you know, when you've gotten to the point where you can do that pretty effortlessly, there's still basically a counter that you're working to increase. So it's a more abstract challenge. Uh, this almost reminds me of uh, when we had a score discussion uh, with regards to Shindiketsu Koha. Uh, like, was that, two years ago almost? <laughs> yep, just about, yeah. And I think Golem and I were the only ones there for that anyway. But we talked about balancing health against score and how that adds an extra layer of gameplay depth. So I think the economy in this game is sort of a unifying element where you're approaching those things the same way, but it goes towards a different end depending
2: on what level of player you are.
0: We're going to move on to talk more specifically about power ups, which is sort of what this all feeds into, in the sense that ultimately what you're spending most of your nuts on probably is power ups. So, 20xx has this entire set of items. There are probably 25 of them, or maybe 20 at this point. 92. 29. 29. All right. that's suppose. Uh, so, uh, these 29 power-ups are passive upgrades, I think is the game may call them. They each either update your mechanics or your statistics uh, as soon as you collect them. Uh, you can find them hidden in stages, or you can find them at shops and stages where you can purchase them, and as Golem described in the previous segment, uh, you can use soul nuts to unlock more power-ups that will show up in levels. There's a specific subclass of them, which we could call weapons. And you can only carry one weapon at a time. Uh, You'll never see them in shops. And until the glaive showed up in the store, you didn't have to buy them with soul nuts. I don't know if that's a glitch or what's going on there. Because that's the only one that shows up. Or at least in my game it is.
2: Yeah, I've gotten, I think, four alternate standard weapons for Nina and uh, none of them were in the shop. I remember having to buy one or two in my shop uh, when I had started. And I remember after the, an update,
4: which happened like around when we started doing this, there was one in the shop that I'm pretty sure I had had before. I think it was the triple shot with Nina. So, I don't know, maybe they just
2: changed it so you had to buy it that way. So I had to buy it in the first place. It sounds like things are just shaky because they're updating all the time.
0: yeah. <laughs> I wonder if someone deleted their save data today and started anew with the update, you would see all of the weapons in the shop versus just possibly the last one that is sitting there now.
4: I tempted to do that, but I like my double jump.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the weapons, you'll find those in the levels as well. They won't be in shops. You don't need to buy them with so You can only carry one. But mostly it's the passive power-ups we're talking about. Let's just get through one by one. Adrian, what is your favorite
1: power-up? Power-up for the ones in the crystal chest, for Ace, it, it's definitely the spinning glide for Nina. Uh, undecided, because I've only ever gotten the four-way one. I've never actually got a chance to use the wave beam. I meant or the... Oh, overall? Oh, probably the double jump. Double jump? <laughs> the double jump is probably the most useful power-up, yeah. Okay. Wait, what? uh what about
4: you? I'd say the Wave Beam with Nina for that wall piercing, because that makes things a lot easier outside of yeah. Sky Temple.
2: Oh yeah.
0: I've never even seen that, but yeah. I don't
2: play as Nina either. Actually, Sky Temple gives you a bunch of setups that Wave Beam is great for. Yeah, but it's, cause it's mostly vertical, oh, I feel yeah. like. It doesn't work that well.
0: Out of curiosity, before we continue, does everyone here play as any particular character?
4: Ace. I try to use Nina more, but I'm better with Ace, and I'm upset because of
2: that. (laughs) I've gotten pretty good as Nina. I want to get more comfortable with Ace.
0: I play pretty
2: exclusively with Ace. I play with both.
0: Did you know that Ace jumps higher? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we gradually picked that up. That's, to me, one of the really nice things about using him. (laughs) Continuing. Spike, what's your favorite power-up? Glass Cannon. Glass Cannon? Yes. Oh, really? (laughs) Uh, Why that?
3: Because the speed plus the damage uh, is a really nice add-up. Besides the minus of your health points, it's a really great boost. If you are a skill player who don't get hit so much.
4: Is yeah. its speed and damage numbers bigger than, I think, Bantam Dancer? Because that is also speed and damage up.
1: I think
0: Bantam Dancer is attack speed. It's attack and move speed. Attack and move speed, yeah, that's right.
3: Yes. So you move faster and you attack faster. All right. It is the only power over gifts in uh, attack speed.
0: Yeah, it is. I've honestly never noticed it making that big a difference,
2: though. Yeah, those things you have to stack before yeah. you really get to noticing it. And with characters like Ace
1: you can already swing that sword pretty fast, so it doesn't feel like it makes much of a difference.
0: Yeah, but remember remember how it plays in speed up mode or whatever that is called? <laughs> oh yeah. We Adrian and I did uh, the other game one. yesterday. It played like at two times speed or three times speed or something like that. I assume that's one of the skulls. Yeah, it was really goofy. And last golem. Uh, what's your power-up?
2: I like the, uh, I forget what it's called, but the, it's the one that gives you four health and then makes you slower. Tank? Tank, yeah. So at first I avoided that because being slow seemed like it would ruin my game and would make it harder to play. But what happens is that four health in 20XX is super valuable, and the added longevity is so helpful that you will gradually pick up, you know, a speed power-up down the line that will cancel out whatever speed loss you had from picking up Tank. So you lose a little something for picking up Tank, but you can make it back. It's not like every item you have to make a sacrifice on.
0: Okay, so that actually as well. If we want to talk about pricing power-ups, Tank has that particular cost of speed, and Spike mentioned that glass cannon costs health. So there are those counterbalances. Are there any that go beyond just uh, a slight reduction in one of your stats?
3: Uh, Excalibur is one of them. Uh, you get a huge amount of attack damage up, but your power damage goes down. Uh, the, the power of your uh, actives that you get from bosses. Right. Do you find that's a good balance? Uh, well, yeah. I find that because I don't use, don't almost don't use power ups. uh, Only when really necessary, because it's really handy to have a mortar in Sky Temple uh, like that. (laughs) Hell. Uh,
2: Yeah, that's
0: that's a really good one. I like mortar and I like shot
2: a lot. There's also the clover items. One that I got while playing with Adrian was one that reduces you to three health but gives you insane speed and jump height. And so that's still modifying your stats. It doesn't move outside of that, but it modifies them to a more noticeable extent so that it had an impact on how I played. Whereas with Tank, the speed change was negligible and I just didn't change how I played.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think modifying jump height is one of those things where, strictly speaking, it is just incrementing a number, but that does have a more active effect because being able to jump high, it means it, it changes the routing of the stage.
1: Yeah. There, there have been plenty of occasions where, while on co-op, there have been platforms that Ace has been able to just jump up to, but Nina couldn't, so I had to go a you know, long way around. So when you want to play dirty and use your jump height to like skip portions of the stage or challenges where there's those chests off the main path ace can often have an easier time with that than nina especially if he has a boost to his already extended jump height compared to nina
0: yeah it's funny maybe this is getting off topic a little bit but i think that that works really well uh, especially in co-op because ace is the melee character and he does more damage and naturally lends to a more aggressive playstyle, and the fact that he can occasionally circumvent some of the platforms means that the two players, or if the other player is using Nina, that is, the two of you can split up, and a lot of times I noticed uh, last night when Adrian and I were playing, I would come around and attack enemies from behind as ace while he was shooting them from the front. and it wasn't always the case that that was because I had the higher jump height, but that certainly makes it a lot easier for the one player to get ahead of the other one. It also means I died about eight times as many times as Adrian did. But it, I think, makes an interesting balance, and I think that it works really well in co-op. Uh, but that doesn't really have anything to do with power-ups. I just wanted to mention uh, something I noticed last night. All right. So we were talking about yeah, balancing the power ups beyond just the direct downgrades that you get. Uh, how is the like economy handled
1: uh, with regard to power ups or pricing of them? This is something I was wanted, I wanted to look into more because, you know, how the developers decided to determine the price for each item was something that I was actually kind of interested in. So why would This item costs three, and why would this one cost six? And but this other one costs like twenty-three or something. I know the the one that gives you basically max health and then plus three health. Naturally, that's going to be the most expensive item because it's just yeah, it's just all benefits. There's no drawback to that thing at all, and you know you love it whenever you come across that thing. And it's one of the reasons why you want to save up nuts. Because health is so sparse, so whenever, if you ever do come across that thing, it's just a godsend.
0: Yeah, I honestly might pick Blue Lander as my favorite power up, just because I am still at a point in the game where that health and armor boost keeps me going, basically. But you touched on that in the shops, they're priced differently, and they're also priced differently uh, with Soul Nuts when you buy them originally, although that's a fairly linear order. Did you guys? really noticed, this again comes back to the, the soul nuts top out really quickly, but in the original process of unlocking items with soul nuts, did you really notice that affecting your game? Were you getting immediate rewards for buying new
2: items? Yeah, definitely. I was excited when the double jump was finally in my shop, but then after I bought it, I had to wait a couple of runs before I even came across it.
1: Yeah, same. Yeah, so what you're
0: talking about there, I guess, is the distribution of items, the random distribution. Would you say that's an aspect of the balancing?
2: Yeah, if you knew where each item was, then it would never be a risk to go out and get something because you would know exactly what you were doing. So the fact that items are randomly placed keeps gameplay interesting by making certain decisions a gamble. It kind of reminds me of that idea of the interesting choice where you have two options and they're good but in different ways. So if you have to take a side path to pick up an item, you might get something good or you might not. And if you continue on the main path, you'll get to the end of the stage sooner, but you might not have a good item. So keeping those items randomized makes choices harder to make.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of times uh, you make decisions... Like, do I save up notes now just for the possibility that something good may come up later or that a health station may come up later? Or do I buy, you know, do I just buy this expensive double jump right now and deal with it later, even though I'm low on health?
0: Right. So there's forethought to it there. It's not just at each fork deciding is this worth going through the challenge? It's also about do I have enough health that I think this run is going to keep going at this point or is my time good enough right now that I think I can squeeze by without buying an extra item
2: so that I can get a better score? Even, you know, if your time is good enough to get the bonus item after killing a boss.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the more uh, obvious sort of carrots that they put there for you. Spike, you're probably the most advanced player of us here by no question at all. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find yourself often taking those little side paths, the unknown items, like where there'll be a chest or something? Well, almost
3: not, no. But if it's really fast to access, then I take a peek of what's inside or what's in the shop. With the shop I can just peek and then just rapidly go on, but if it's something you re- really useful, like the plumber hat, I love that item, that's, that you jump higher, because uh, fuck Sky Temple, basically.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm glad even though you're on the leaderboards, you still hate Sky Temple. That makes me feel better.
3: Well, it's a hate and love uh, relationship because I, I love the layout, but, but I, I hate the difficulty of it.
0: Yeah, this was something we actually talked about a in our last podcast, where Sky Temple gets kind of comical with its difficulty later in the game.
1: Oh yeah, Agnesor can actually get pretty bad too.
2: So Spike, you find that it's never, it's never worth the risk to take those side paths.
3: Well, if it's really difficult to access the power up and it takes too much time, it's not, it's not worth it.
2: Okay. How does
0: everyone feel about being able to zoom out the camera? Do you guys use that
4: feature a lot? Yes. I didn't know it was a thing for a while, but now that I do, I use it.
3: Wait, there is a zoom out option?
0: Oh, man. Now we've won, because we've taught you something. (laughs) You can use the scroll wheel on your mouse to zoom out the camera.
2: I believe the developers have said it's a debug feature.
0: I try not to use it for that reason, because they said,
1: or because you said that they said they were going to take it out. I hope they don't take it out because it's, it's what makes Sky Temple a lot more bearable for me. Because yeah. one of my major issues is that naturally you don't have as much to view above you as you do to the side of you. And in a level that's more vertically oriented, especially with those geyser platforms that shoot you up fairly quickly, it gives you way fewer time to react versus if you were just, you know, moving to the side like all the other levels, especially with those catapults. That have an obnoxious tendency to be firing before they're actually on the screen. And they actually kind of accelerate the higher up they are. So you'll just see a cannonball just falling you It's like, boom, it's like, god goddamn."
2: That's every enemy in that stage will attack you from off screen. <laughs> well, yeah,
3: no, actually, I discovered that the enemy only will attack when you're in a certain range of them. And then they keep shooting, despite on what range you are from them. Oh yeah. So and they uh, start shooting when you damage them, also, or attacking. Huh. You can test it like on Thinking a catapult the... because you can see them uh, just out of range, just on the side of the screen. And if you shoot it with Nina, they start shooting when you hit them.
0: That's interesting because, yeah, I haven't experienced yeah. the being shot from off screen as much as. Well, it seems like I haven't noticed it as much. And you and I both play as Ace, but I know Adrian and Golem play as Nina a little more often. Uh, So I wonder if that's why you guys
2: see it more. Yeah, I just blind fire, so I could be hitting guys way off screen. It could be that.
0: The challenge rooms, though, that actually is a place where, uh, getting back to power-ups, there's one place basically directly in your path. You don't ever have to go out of your way to do that. That's always a mandatory for getting through the level. But they give you those challenges uh, that you have to complete to acquire the power-up, similar to the way that you get an extra power-up for completing the entire level under a certain
2: time limit. Are you guys pretty consistently able to do those? There are ones I consistently can do and ones I can't. (laughs) I'm constantly
4: dashing so that don't dash always messes me up. I'm trying to focus on the the challenge yeah. before I do anything now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I make now, more of an effort to get the rewards in the gauntlet rooms when they appear. And I have to make more conscious effort to actually read what it says before I accidentally do something I'm not supposed to, like dash or don't get hit or something. Yeah, don't get hit's a pretty rough one.
2: right? Spike, do you usually get those challenges, or uh, do you have right. trouble meeting any of them?
3: Well, yeah, I get them mostly, except the time I get don't get hit, and the enemy spawns on top of me when I...
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but <laughs> this, this one that's really annoying is that only use powers. Oh yeah mm, yeah, yeah Well, you can complete that without powers, because it does not count or a failure when you uh, use a charge uh, shot with your sword, a sword or for your shot with Nina.
1: I did not know that. Feels
3: wrong. So. <laughs> well, yeah, because in later difficulty, it takes too much time to keep um, charging your weapon and fire it. It just takes too much time to kill all the enemies. It's, just, it's not worth it to do that, like that. Except if you have a power and enough and energy. Sorry, I get too deep into this.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. How many power-ups do you guys... Uh, I think most of us have beaten it at this point. one. I'm not sure. Are you? It's
4: 11. I still haven't. Okay. Sixth or seventh level at the furthest.
0: You're pretty close. And I think it's actually gotten a little easier recently, so... Yeah, with the slot things.
2: And some of the level chunks...
0: Yeah, I think the level chunks have just gotten a little bit better balanced. Although there's still some pretty insane ones. Once you get to your level seven and level eight. Our level eight vacuum was ridiculous. So before we move on from power ups, I wanted to talk about the boss items that you get. At the end of each stage, in addition to what one or two bonus items that you get, you also get a choice between ten nuts. A active ability from the boss, similar to the power-ups you get from defeating Mega Man bosses. And the third is... Is it always a power battery or a health thing, or can it be anything?
3: The three items you can pick off is... One is 10 nuts. The second is the boss power-up, of course. And the third is always a... um, like a plain uh, stats uh, power up, like Bronze Barrel, Plumber Head, or Nina's Chess.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, it can be Bronze Barrel.
3: Yeah, so. Or Health or Energy.
0: Yeah, so it's a real. I think it's always one of those real basic ones. What do you guys go with at the end of the level there? Uh, or what determines what you pick? Uh, I pick almost always
3: the, the boss power up that's uh, counter uh, the boss
0: to the next level do you always take a look at what bosses you have coming up before you do that yes because naturally you probably don't grab an item if you've already beaten the boss that's weak to that right
3: yes except if it's really useful for uh, the difficulty of the next levels
4: I'll like almost always take the spider's shockwave because it's so great yeah, yeah.
3: or uh that's weapon you get uh, from uh, the Eternal Star, that bat. Really? You oh, like that a lot? Yeah.
1: The Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, it
0: goes through walls, and it's very useful for Ace. Huh, I very rarely grab that one, but that's partly because I leave the bat
2: till the end. So you also have to choose to replace a power-up once you have more than three special weapons.
3: Yes, I always replace the power-up I don't need anymore from boss. And I keep the power-ups I need for the next boss, or it's really useful to keep it?
0: Yeah, so with three choices of boss and three slots for power-ups, by the time that you're trying to choose which power-up you want to replace, in my experience, it almost is always a trivial choice. There's always one that I've already used that
4: I don't need anymore.
0: So, wait a while, what do you choose at the end of
4: the level when you've got
0: those three
4: things well, to go with? I'd say pretty much the same as Spike. If one of the upcoming enemies is weak to the power I got, I'll usually grab that to make the boss easier. And then, like I said, I always take Shockwave. I'll pretty much always take uh, the Boomerang Blade because I'm terrible against Death Lotus. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll usually go for the nuts. I feel like I see Potato Battery, the energy up a lot, which... You know, choosing between that or a power seems kind of silly. If it's like the first choice, I mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I see that a lot as well, and I pretty infrequently
1: take it. Adrian,
0: when we were playing last night, you didn't take a single power. Is that standard
1: for you? Yeah, it's become standard for me now. As I've been playing, I found that Ace, more so than Nina for the most part, can deal with a lot of situations better than Nina due to the range of his sword. With the exception of the catapults and sky temples, but that's one of the reasons why I find shooting for a double jump or some way to literally jump over them so I can get behind them being what I shoot for more than the power up because I generally don't like getting other power ups to make use of energy and I don't want to rely on a limited supply of energy. So that's why I rely on having a permanent double jump power up than a limited power. So I almost never go for powers anymore. I almost always go for health if it's there, and if health is not there and if you use something like the potato batter, I'll pretty much always go for nuts after that. sometimes, if there's a bronze barrel, I will go for that instead of the nuts, and only on occasions, I actually feel like picking up the plumber's hat so yeah you just
3: you just said that you like to jump over enemies if you could.
1: Yeah, so sometimes I do pick up the plumber's hat for that if I have not gotten a double jump in a long while, and I feel like I'm not going to get it anytime soon. That's why I I do actually find the extra jump height. Like before, I didn't think it was that good of a power-up. Now I actually do think it is because of the ability to jump over enemies and actually traverse the vertical portions of Sky Temple
2: a lot faster because of that extra jump height, especially when you have it stacked. Like that's when you really notice a difference. That's something unique in platformers, where usually the level design is really tightly structured around what kind of jumps you can make. But here, 20XX is really lenient and doesn't care what kind of challenges you circumvent. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that almost makes the jump-related power-ups sort of makes them a different class, just because they are allowing you to reroute the level. And that is like... The statistical ones are are there to help you with combat, to survive more hits or to kill enemies faster. And this can help you, you know, manage large numbers of enemies, but effectively you're still going through the same path. And then the jumping ones help you with combat as well, but they're largely there to help you find new paths. So you've got, like, your navigational power-ups and your combat power-ups. And I think that that, without getting too far into speculation, I think that that speaks really well to what I think makes Mega Man-type games interesting, is that they have layers of combat and layers of platforming, and I think 20XX builds on that with this system of power-ups, and ultimately, I think that's why it's a valuable addition to the would-be Mega Man canon, because... That sort of freeform expansion, I think, really does build upon something that's already there in this type of game. Does anyone have further thoughts about the
2: power-ups? There's a phase, kind of like the Soul Nuts, where while you're learning how each weapon works and who's weak to what, like, none of that is spelled out to you, I would always prioritize getting the boss weapon just so that I could learn, but now that I'm making informed decisions it's pretty infrequent that I take them because I know what I can use when and I know what I can give up and more health might be more useful to me than the shotgun ice or something.
0: My approach is fairly similar. I it's sort of, as said already, I like shockwave and mortar and so I'm always going to grab those even if I don't know there's a boss coming up that I'm going to want to fight with them just because they're universally useful. But I mostly make the decision on that type of usefulness versus making weakness-based decisions. Like I never take Splinter Frost, for instance. Yeah, me either, because the bet is just
3: too easy for yeah. that. and this that power is it's not really
0: useful. It's like too weak to be generally beneficial.
4: Its spread shot oh. seems kind of useless, since it goes the opposite direction of what it hits. So, I mean, if yeah. it hits a wall, you can just turn around and do that, hit everything, that's about it.
0: There were, like, really specific purposes for it in Mega Man X when they invented that, and it wasn't even good there. So, here, I just don't think it adapts to the game at all. I think it's a weird choice to copy. Just for fun, what's everyone's least favorite power-up? Speak to Frost. Oh. <laughs> Fair. I'd say A Matic for me. I think that's garbage. I get pissed off
1: it, when it, it shows up. Yeah, same here. I mean, anything energy related, I just don't want to see that in the store. <laughs> yeah, because, so. as I've already told you, I like I, I, one. I don't even use pops to begin with, so energy has even less use to me than the rest of you here. So yeah, I'd rather not get see anything energy related.
3: For real, Cees, I don't like spill over matrix.
0: Yeah, that was, like that's another one that comes to mind,
4: only because yeah, it, I was gonna say.
0: there's never been a situation where I've used that. <laughs> yeah. Alright, WaveWat, here's a Spillover Matrix.
4: Yeah. It's nice to have that oh, one uh. flying around
2: to go back to.
0: And Golem, how about you?
2: Any of the ones that do the really drastic change to your stats, like the one I mentioned about speed, like insane speed for really low health, because I'm... Um, oh, yeah,
1: durable is other the wind.
2: Typically, the items are, you know, quote-unquote balanced, so that they are, in the end, always good to pick up, and there's none that's too huge a detriment, except for those. Like, those are an actual trade-off, and so they're really bad compared to everything else.
1: Greg, you mentioned in your successful run when we were co-oping that uh, one of the things that actually helped you win the game was uh, actually... Not being afraid of items that made you squishy, although ironically in that same run you picked up an item that made us Durable as the Wind and ended up only having three or four health.
2: Yeah, the difference between Durable as the Wind and Glass Cannon is that Glass Cannon, the negatives are so negligible, you lose like, what, two health? As opposed to Durable yeah. as the Wind, which drops you all the way down to three.
1: Yeah. That's funny, because we actually picked up Glass Cannon after that, and it couldn't reduce our health any further.
2: (laughs) And um, with Glass Cannon, the benefits aren't too huge anyway. It just, what, instead of 10 damage, you do 12 or something like that? But that stacks, and eventually it it gets to be worth it, especially as boss health bars get so long. Right. Yourself also mentioned that um, he actually likes the fact that um, any detriment
1: you can get another power up that brings that back up. So if you may have a power that makes you slow, you can eventually get another one that makes you faster again. And in this case if you have something that makes you squishy, you can always get one of those hard power ups at the end of boss stages to, you know, bring your health back up again.
2: Yeah. One of the things that I think is disappointing about twenty XX is that you don't beyond Nina and Ace, you never have a player who plays like, oh I'm the tank or oh I'm the fast guy you just get a player who gets all of everything, all of the speed, and all of the health. And um, on one hand, it's nice that items are always my friend, but on the other hand, that means you don't get different types of players. Right. You don't.
1: You don't have to stick to those trade offs that you make.
0: Yeah, I think if we really got into it, then that would be a conversation about like the RPG or the role playing aspect of the game, right. because because it's it's like picking a class yeah like Adrian is saying there's you know when it comes to balancing skill trees and stuff in RPGs you need to make sure that you're you can't just randomly pick everything because you're going to waste all your skill points you have to pick stuff that complements what you already have
3: beneficial to what you have yes
0: yeah it's all about making builds so to speak so you don't really have that in 20XX I don't think it needs that, but I can certainly see the point that Golem makes, that you can see the shadow of a a more interesting game there, or at least a different game.
1: I just see it as a different design choice.
0: Yeah, and one I'm not sure is entirely as Mega Man-y as what we got.
2: That said, the procedural generation throws a ton ton of... uh... Curve balls at you, like the level order is random, and you don't always get the double jump. So the fact that items are mostly good also does give you some amount of stability that this game might need to keep itself from going entirely off the rails.
0: <laughs> and I think actually, the items you complained about, those Clover items, while you're not going to see those consistently enough to rely on them for a change of pace, I like those a lot because I think that that is what they're there for, just some, just have a random wacky run thrown in where you can jump super high and have no health. Sometimes it ends really quickly after you get it. But, you know, I've gotten ones like the one health 30 armor one ended up being really useful, which surprised me. So they're like the craziest curve balls and they're rare enough that I always go for them just because who cares about one single run?
2: It would be nice if that was a skull. That kind of stuff.
0: Yeah.
3: I... Like, uh, like a skull that you have one health and no health uh power ups in a game. Like uh, <laughs> Yeah. Like in the Binding of Isaac with the Lost. <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, like the final star of Grandmaster Galaxy. It
3: makes us really up to challenge. Yeah.
0: As we wrap up here, uh, i got a couple final questions for you. While we're still on 20XX, Adrian,
1: if you were a Mega Man boss, what would your name be? Oh, God. Um Kraken. Because they didn't use it in X6. Alright. You're allowed to make one up, too, but that works.
0: Golem, how about you? Fleece Man. Yeah, that's Pretty accurate. I would have said sock man or project.
2: <laughs> uh, my brother is wool. Is a is a sheep man. Um, okay. Wave Central time zone man.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty uh, devastating power. <laughs> and uh, spike, how about you? Spirit weeper man. All right, nice. Uh, I think I'd be the chicken man. Uh, that's a pretty cool <laughs> I heard they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night.
3: Don't chicken out, eh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, to celebrate the new year, Spike, what was your favorite game that you played in 2015? Duck game. Duck game?
2: What's yeah. that?
0: That's like that multiplayer shooter, right?
3: It's a multiplayer uh, 2D shooter with ducks. You're a duck and with a hat, and <laughs> basically you shoot each other in the face until they die, and you go to the next stage, and you get the point, and that's, that's it.
2: Well, I like and the hat part. Weapons. And yeah, it's just
3: a party game. That's It's local and online. I and you can make your own levels, and that's like that.
0: It looked to me like a really insane version, or like a really amped up version of uh, Worms. Just because of the weird levels and uh, weapons.
3: Yeah, but this is real time, not uh, right. four turns. So you played a lot of that. Yeah, and, and the door. So if you shoot a duck with a, with a shotgun, they go flying over the stage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright. Adrian, what was your favorite game of 2015? Of the ones I played, it, it's a toss-up between Ranger X and Middle Black, really. I can't make up my mind. That's
0: fair enough. I mean, Ranger X is probably up there for me as well. Uh, Waithwat, how about you?
4: I'd say Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. It's probably the game I put the most time in this year.
0: Yeah, I actually saw that get some Game of the Year awards. I was a little surprised by that, but
4: I definitely didn't. Didn't even notice. I realize. Usually don't pay attention to awards.
0: (laughs) No, I only. I think I saw it on the front
4: page of. It
0: must have been Destructoid, because it's one of the only blogs I check. Gotcha. Alright, so how many hours have you poured into that?
4: At least 300. I don't remember <laughs> the exact number. <laughs>
2: nice.
4: I know, it's, it's kind of low for Monster Hunter. You can
2: play yeah. It more. Yeah, through the tutorial.
4: Yeah. I'm <laughs> not even joking. People can get thousands of hours into that game. Ah, uh, yeah. Definitely. Do you play that online at all, or
0: just single player?
4: I do single player mostly, I don't have a lot of friends to play it with, and I hear a lot of bad stories about online with <laughs> people who've cheated overpowered weapons and stuff, so I just kind of avoid it when I can.
0: Oh, I didn't realize it had that kind of pollution in it. Yeah.
4: Like, it probably doesn't happen as much as I feel like it does, because I, I just see a lot of people complaining about it online. Yeah. Probably just scaring myself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, if you like it enough to play 300 hours single player, it still seems like you got your money
2: worth. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, Golem?
2: My favorite game that I played in 2015 was Metal Black, and my favorite game to come out in 2015 was uh, Splatoon.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, I don't think. I think Splatoon's the only game I've
2: played that came out
0: in 2015.
2: <laughs> uh, no, 20XX. Oh, yeah. Well, that's t- that's not out. That's coming out in 2016, technically.
0: Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, it's-, it's probably Ranger X, but I also played Rygar the Legendary
2: Adventure, which was uh, That's PS2, right?
0: Surprising. Yeah, it's the PS2 one.
2: It That's more
0: like I was just shocked by how good that was. Uh, so I'm quite affectionate for it. Alright, well, any final words from the group? Before we call it a podcast,
3: yay! My first podcast. So, all right, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Glad to have you on board. I went in thinking twenty XX would be kind of poopy, but it's—I uh, <laughs> like it.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that your opinion got turned around. I uh, was expecting you to bitch the whole way through this. <laughs> the, 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 the little background there is that Golem does not like anything that is popular, so procedural generation is a big no-no on his list? Well, I don't
1: know. I feel like that's a fair thing to be critical of.
0: Well, until you play a procedurally generated game and really like it, (laughs) then it's like maybe you should think about what your opinions are based on. (laughs) But, no. I I can appreciate being critical of it. I'm
1: critical of it as well. I'm just giving him a hard time. Yeah. Uh, I guess for me, um, Adrian, I don't know if we can... (laughs) I thought he was done. Uh, I guess... I don't know if we're going to do podcasts for when this game fully releases or when it gets released for real because, you know, it's still in early access.
2: Yeah, we should revisit it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep playing it uh, when it does. Because definitely... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the game definitely has some issues with the procedural generation getting all wonky, especially on a hard level, so I do, I would love to see that, you know, cleaned up and have a, a smoother playing experience. Yeah, I, I never had a chance to try to it before. Oh, and I want to, I want, um, I want what? Wiley or a final boss. That needs to be a thing. Because that actually kind of surprised me when I beat the game. It's like, oh, that was it?
0: Uh, yeah, final boss would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
3: what about more characters? More characters
0: would be cool too. What's
4: his like name?
3: Axel. Like yeah, 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 that's actually a good one. <laughs> yeah, let's, like, well, what like, about
1: like, uh,
3: like a yellow and a green one?
0: Yeah, yeah. or or too many
1: more colors. Yeah, purple and black. I think is a good scene. Get um, Roland there. No, don't. because Roll Why? Roland sucks. Oh, I'm she. Rolling. Oh, she was cool in. Get the uh, the battle network role. She was cool in that one. Yeah, she's cool. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, wait what? Last word.
1: Co op is fun. I did not know that until I
4: played with you guys because no one else was playing it.
0: Yeah, and uh, we should all make sure we have each other's steam names so we can uh, play some co op because I think that that to me was the most surprising aspect. Platformers do not always adapt well. Adapt well to Multiplayer, but I think that 20XX does really well. And maybe we can talk about that a little more uh, when we revisit this, uh, hopefully for uh release day podcast. And I hope all of you guys will be able to join us again at that time in the future. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, have a wonderful 2016.
2: All music in this podcast is from 20XX. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.